I'm thankful that my young people, my kiddos, sing with us. I have grown to see their heart in singing, or should I say it has grown over the years. And That was a song we've been encouraging our young people, to, our kids, to maybe <clears throat> try to sing a little bit more some of these songs instead of just singing parts, sing them uh, themselves. And so we have been asking them to consider songs that, uh, that speak to them. If there's a song that speaks to your heart, then that's what you need to try to sing. Amen. And that was one that has been on Emma's heart. And I'm thankful. Joshua chapter 1 in your Bibles, if you would please. And let's begin reading in verse number 1. Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 1. Let's all stand to our feet in honor of the Word of God this morning. Joshua chapter number 1 and verse number 1. Of course, the goal was not to give attention to my daughter, but to give attention to God through that song. I was somewhat reluctant to mention that about her and then did anyway, but I want us to remember the Lord after that song. Joshua chapter number 1 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and this isn't the message, but what a great thing to be said of any of us. If it could just be said at the end of our lives, now at the death of this Joshua, he was a servant of the Lord. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even under the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and under the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. I want you to notice this. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Look at this again. Only be thou strong and very, what? That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Look at verse number 9. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please speak to hearts this morning. This is your service. I yield it to you. I yield myself to you. I cannot do the work, and I know it. I pray that please, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would do what only you can do. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit, guide and direct my thoughts and my speech. Anoint this service with your Holy Spirit power. 
We pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name and amen. You can be seated. The world is filling up with courage for the wrong things. I don't get into this. I don't care about this. But I guess even recently one of the dumb beer companies found out that not all of the world is as courageous about sodomy as some of these LGBTQ community people would have the corporate world to think. But still, the sodomites are filled with courage. Their voice is getting louder all of the time. You want to, by the way, use a biblical term uh, concerning those things. They don't like to be called sodomites, but it is a biblical term. That's exactly what they are. And it is still just as much an abomination as it was in the days of Sodom. Which is why they hate hearing that as a term. They try to make all of these fluffy and fun terms to make it sound better, but the reality is that it's all still wicked, evil, horrible sin. The politicians have great courage that are working against the cause of the Christians. They had great courage when they shut down our churches. They have great courage while they, from their wicked pulpits of politics, preach these wicked ideologies of sin and the continual justification of sin in America. America has become the kind of place that not even Russia and nations like that are doing the kind of things that we're doing. They have greater control over the morals of their nation, not because they believe in God, but because they know how it destroys. It's true. Do a little study on it. I'm not making that stuff up. The kind of things that are becoming legal and are becoming preached, if you will, from the wicked pulpits of America on the platforms of politics and on the platforms of Hollywood and on the platforms of the music industry and in the classrooms of our schools, the world has become very courageous in a lot of ways. And unfortunately what has begun to happen is that Christianity has begun to lose its courage. Christianity is being pushed deeper and deeper into its own little corner and we are more and more unlikely to speak out, to stand for what is right, to do the things that previous generations of Christians used to do because Christianity is being beaten into submission by the wicked world. There is a great need for courage today. Christian, if you are going to be able to raise your children in a fashion that is honoring to God and in a way that goes the opposite direction of the wicked world, it is going to require some great courage. Christian, if you are going to have a successful marriage, it is going to take some fight and it is going to take some courage. If our church is to do or accomplish anything for God in our generation, it is going to take great courage. The greatest things that have been accomplished in the history of the world have been accomplished by those who had great courage. 
Eddie Rickenbacker, the World War I ace pilot, who many have forgotten about, but he had at least 26 aerial victories by himself in World War I. He was the most successful and most decorated United States flying ace of that war, and I don't know, I didn't look it up, but possibly any war since. He said this, Courage is doing what you're afraid to do. There can be no courage unless you are first scared. I suppose that statement holds a lot of weight with somebody that knew what it meant to climb into an airplane and get into what they called dogfights in the air and possibly lose his life every time he went into the air. He knew what it meant to be scared and still to do what he was afraid to do. Christian, father, mom, young person, if there is going to be a generation that is used greatly of God in the face of great sin, in the face of great possible persecution, if there is any generation that has ever done anything for God, it was not because the environment was perfect for them to do it. It was always, or should I say often, if not always, in the face of great persecution. When the church really began to spread in the book of Acts, the Bible tells us that it really began to take off when they were under great persecution. We're talking about people that were faced with losing their lives for simply saying the name of Jesus in public. The church had one of its greatest days when God's people were required to have great courage. I have become concerned for the lack of courage in some of our young men in our homes. Unfortunately, and I, I honestly believe that this is not necessarily the fault of some of our young men, but I believe that we are faced in this generation with a generation of young men who have almost no courage, no drive, no determination. Their greatest desire, unfortunately anymore, is to sit around and watch Netflix and play video games and not do much else. And I see what we are facing as a nation. And I think my soul, no wonder... So many of these things have been pushed so greatly into the hearts and minds of our young men because there is a real war going on spiritually and literally for the heart of our nation and they cannot have a courageous generation of young men. They need a weak generation of young men. They need a generation of young men that have no drive and determination. They need us to lose our courage so that they can force through their policies and their agenda. Make no mistake about it that, uh, that, that socialism begins with the principle, Karl Marx himself said this, that the entire goal of socialism, the entire goal eventually socialism becomes communism, they're the same thing, one is done by force, the other one is done by political power. And so anyway, uh, the socialist agenda, Karl Marx said that his goal was to one, dethrone God and defeat capitalism. We think that this whole ideology of socialism sneaking into our political system is really just a financial philosophy, but the reality is that it has always been anti-God also. Amen. Some of the things that are making its way into the halls of our 
political arenas are undermining the principles of the Word of God with a purposeful intent of crumbling America. But I do not believe that there is no hope for this generation. I actually believe the exact opposite. That the greatest works that have been done in battle, in the Christian realm, in the sphere of revival, have taken place when some of the greatest challenges were facing the person that had to scale that hill. Do I think we are looking at an uphill battle as a church? Yes, I do. Do I think that our young people are looking at an uphill battle for them to live for God? Yes, I do. But I also believe that this is when God's power can be the most obvious, can be the most used, can become the most apparent, because it is what we need in order to accomplish anything when we face great battles. Amen. In this passage in the book of Joshua, we see that Israel is about to face Battles that they have not yet faced. Now remember, they've come through the wilderness journey. Forty years of suffering through the wilderness journey. Now remember, the old people have all died off because they were being judged for their unbelief. Is everybody okay? But now the young people are coming along and it is required of them to fight the battles that the previous generation could not fight. And so, a statement is made to Joshua. God says, Joshua, be strong and of a good courage. There was ground that was promised to Israel within Canaan. But in order to take that ground, it was going to take great courage. Now listen, can I just say this? Please hear me out. Sometimes we get the idea that in order to have victory, we just have to wait on God to give the victory. And once God gives the victory, we'll have victory. But listen, God uses instruments. He uses people. And He told Joshua, look, there is a land of promise that I want to give to the nation, but you're going to have to go fight for it. I will give you some victories. And sometimes there were miraculous victories that they didn't even have to fight. But God still needed a willing general. He still needed willing soldiers. And He needed them to face the battles that they were going to face with courage. We are going to face some great battles with our families as sin ramps up and tries to defeat our marriages and defeat our children. Our children are being inundated with more and more temptation than in any time in the history of the world. Do you know, and this is a fact, not a conspiracy, that China sends different algorithms through TikTok to their kids than they send to American kids. Did you know that in China, the ones that created this technology known as TikTok, they push videos to Chinese children that are, that are videos of science and math and success and all of these different things that encourages their young people in a direction of victory. 
And did you know that within America that they changed the algorithms and pushed to our kids debauchery, people dancing nude, people doing wicked things, and all of this stuff is being pushed to us with the intention of destroying our youth and taking our nation. This isn't a conspiracy theory. It is fact. Go study it for yourself. Entire articles have been written on the subject. About three or four months ago, I read about a 12-page article written by a man on this very subject with proof and evidence of how many are coming after America through our youth and their overexposure to wickedness through social media. You think Mark Zuckerberg is your friend? You're crazy. You think Jack Dorsey was your friend? You're crazy. Maybe some of these things were started, well, no, it wasn't started innocently. Facebook was started as an app to try to hook up with people. Anyway, can some of these things be used in a good way? I'm on Facebook. I know a lot of preachers are on Facebook. Uh, I have a Twitter account. I, I'm there like once every three years. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, but... but can some of these things be good? Sure, they can be used in a good way. But what I'm saying is that what is happening is there are people that are specifically working to undermine our youth. They know what they're doing. They're doing it on purpose. And we often are blind to the fight that we are in. If we, as a nation, are going to live for God, it's going to take some real courage because what is being introduced to our nation is flying in direct opposite direction of the will of God. So God comes to Joshua and says, Joshua, that great man, Moses. Well, he doesn't call him a great man, but we would see him as a great man of the faith. That man, Moses, who was my servant, has passed on, and now I need you to pick up the torch, and I need you to have courage. So then, I want to preach to you on that subject this morning. Courage. I want to say, number one, courage for one generation can be gained by the victories of another generation. Would you please look at Joshua chapter number one, look at verse number five. God says, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Can I say something this morning? Please hear me out, adults. We will gain or lose a generation based on the battles that we fight or the battles we choose not to fight. Because we are leaving an example. If there are some battles in our homes that we choose not to fight, we are, whether we know it or not, teaching our children to back down in the face of their own battles. A generation that doesn't fight has doomed the next to lose their courage. Did you hear me? A generation that does not fight is dooming the next to lose their courage. I'm pleading with you. Moses stood against Pharaoh. And God uses it as an example for Joshua. 
And he says, as I was with him, so I will be with you. Joshua needed the example of another man of God who stood in the face of a ruler of that day and said, this is God's will and we're going to do it. He stood at the edge of the Red Sea and God gave the victory while the armies of Pharaoh closed in. God had a man in one generation who even though he was meek and afraid to talk, God was able to use and He gave him some courage and Moses through his courage was used of God to help one generation and then the next generation and what I'm saying is that we need you as middle-aged adults and as older adults to continue to fight the battles that ought to be fought. He uses the victories in Moses' life to teach Joshua some lessons about what he can do in his life. What are we fighting for today? Adults, can I ask you a question? What are you fighting for? Are you taking a stand for the things that are right? Are you taking a stand at work? Are you taking a stand in your home? Are you fighting the battles that you ought to fight? Or are you just throwing your hands up in the air sometimes and saying, well, whatever the kids want to do, they can do it. Can I say this? We will lose all the battles that we don't fight. Now it's God's power, not man's, that wins spiritual battles, but somebody has to fight. God can raise up a generation that has courage on His own, but we can influence and help or influence and hurt. God uses the victories of one generation that He achieved to encourage another generation. That brings me to my next point. Some battles will require generational courage. Some battles will require generational courage. What do I mean by that? Some battles won't be won overnight. The children of Israel had wandered for 40 years and they were coming up to the border of a place that the previous generation had been promised. Yes? And unfortunately, they lost that battle. They came to the edge of Canaan land and what happened? The Bible tells us that two spies went in and said, God promised us He would give us this land. We believe we can do it. Joshua and Caleb were their names. Yes. Ten other spies went in and said, nope, we are as grasshoppers in their eyes. I don't think... Uh, uh, no, I don't think it's going to happen. Hello? They lost that battle. He promised it to one generation and the next generation had to finish it. The battles of last generation may not be over and somebody needs to keep fighting so that the next generation not only has an example, but they have somebody to fight along with them in this fight. We need to be done giving the devil ground. It is time we find our courage again. It's time we find our courage in our homes and stop letting 
Every wicked thing that our kids want to be involved in happen just because we want to make them happy. Can I tell you, they need you as a parent every now and then to stand for what is right and see you fight some battles that are worth fighting. I grew up in a home that had rules. There were certain types of music we weren't going to listen to in our home. And if, if Dad heard it on one of our radios, there was going to be a battle. Well, not much of a battle. A battle that started with a paddle and ended with a lot of tears. Our parents have lost their courage because the world has convinced you that you, you just need to do everything in your, in your power to make your children happy. And can I say this? Some have, have grown up, and some adults that are sitting here this morning have grown up in a situation of great abuse, and I know that. There is more of that today than maybe there ever has been before. And as a result, some parents, because they have had such a terrible past, they don't want their kids to have anything like what they had, so they overcorrect and they just become total pushovers. And while we think we're helping, the reality is we are teaching them that they will get whatever they want whenever they want, and when they don't get whatever they want whenever they want, they'll have no courage to fight the battle that they need in order to get it. We need to find courage again in our homes. Hey, hey, fathers, I am begging you every now and then to have some courage to stand up and say, nope, not in my home. Not in my house. Nope. Not happening. Amen. I'm about to start getting specific, but you're already mad at me, so... You ought to have some rules in your home. Oh, I might as well. It's still Bible. Concerning the things wherever you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Is still in the Bible. And why in the world some father would be okay letting his daughter and some harebrained guy that only has one thing on his mind go into a room together by themselves and spend whatever time doing whatever they're doing and say nothing about it. You've lost your courage, sir. I don't care what the world says. It's still a sin, and she still ought to go to the marriage altar pure. Well, but my, my, well, of course him too. Absolutely right. That ought to be understood. Just because the world says that girls and guys ought to exercise contraception instead of self-control doesn't mean that's right. Amen. Find your courage, sir, and stand for something. Amen. Teach your kids it's wrong to step outside of the marriage relationship with the physical relationship. Amen. You know, when my wife and I were dating... Courting, I know, these, all, all these religious terms. When I went to Bible college, they, they, you know, they called it courting because courting does have a different way of doing things than dating, and you know, they taught us all that, but I'm not that guy that's like, you know, you got to be courting versus dating, whatever. Whatever you call it, courting, dating, whatever. But when we were dating, courting, whatever. Brother, I mean, I'm a blue-blooded American, man. 
you better believe there was all kinds of desire to kiss that woman. It's in every guy. I'm not saying it's not there. But what the world is doing today is saying, well, because the desire is there, it's good, so just do it. And God says, yeah, the desire is going to be there. So in order to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and every woman have her own husband. In other words, that's all reserved for the marriage relationship. And that's still Bible. So, I tell you what, whether you like it or not, I'll stand here with the courage to say it's still wrong for girls and boys to touch each other before they get married. And while the world has pushed so far the other direction because they're throwing full-blown pornography on our screens with some of the top shows that everybody's watching that they shouldn't be watching, all we're doing is ramping up the sexual appetites of our kids to the point that they can't control themselves. When I was a youth pastor, I had young men coming to me that had been struggling with pornography since they were in the third and fourth grade because of access to these phones. And y'all, that was almost 20 years ago now. It's gotten even more prevalent today. Back then, they were, passion, they were passing around in the third and fourth grade. There was a trade going on in, this, in the public school systems between lockers. These, these groups of boys were passing around flash drives filled with that stuff to each other. Now they don't have to. It's just on their phones. They are feeding their appetites so heavily that they don't have any self-control. And we're letting it happen. You ought to know what your kids are looking at on their phones. You ought to, I don't believe a child ought to be alone in their room with a phone or a tablet perousing the internet, making TikTok videos. Huh? Get some courage. Some battles will require generational courage. It's going to take courage from the parents, courage from the young people. It's going to take some courage to stand for God in this generation. He promised the promised land to one generation and the next had to finish that battle. The battles of last generation may not be over. They may only get worse. Somebody needs to keep fighting. We need to be done giving the devil ground in our homes, in our churches. I wrote this down. We need to be done giving the devil ground in our revivals. Please understand that any time we as a church try to have a revival here as a ministry, bring a preacher in and, and start praying towards those things, that Satan is going to attack, to attack our unity and try to get people against each other. Amen. Do you understand? Oh, my soul, please understand. The devil always, always fights before or after or before and after a big move of God. Amen. Always. He'll do everything in his power. We need to stop giving up ground in our homes, in our churches, in our revival times, in our devotional times, in our personal lives. Some battles are long-term battles, and they're going to take some real courage. Spiritual courage is one of the hardest types of courage to take hold of because there are some things that the world is promoting and pushing, and so there are some things that even though they take a little bit of courage, the devil and the world won't fight against you to do. I'll give you an example. 
I enjoy sports. I like playing sports. I used to be scared to get to death to play sports. I still get nervous stepping out to play sports because I'm not always that good at them. But the world and the devil aren't going to fight your kid to go out and play baseball this season. They, they don't care. That doesn't have any effect on eternity. The devil wants your kid playing baseball instead of going to church. Even though it might take them a little bit of courage to go and play baseball when they're not comfortable with their teammates because they've never met them yet and they don't really know how to throw a ball and they don't really know how to catch a ball and they don't really know how to hit a ball. And so it's going to take some courage for them to do that. They will never face the kind of battle that they'll face when they have to take spiritual stands because that comes with resistance of the devil himself. Some battles are long-term battles. Some journeys are long-term journeys. I need, I need, to, I need, to, I need to move on. i got to go, i got to go. Uh, thirdly, and I'm just going to give you this one. I don't, I don't, I can't even hardly cover it. I started to just now, um, so I'll just refer to it. Look at verses seven and eight, please. Now God tells them in verse number six, "Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land." So He tells them to have courage first of all, because they need to go conquer something physical. A, a physical battle, a real battle in this world, land they need to take. Verse number 7, Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the, what? The law which Moses, uh, uh, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Because if you do that, for then thou shalt make thy way, thy physical way, prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success in these physical battles that you need to fight. Point number three. Spiritual courage will lead to personal courage or courage in life. God said they needed courage to obey Him and walk after His ways and that that would lead to His help, His strength, His power, and their courage to face the physical battles that they needed to face. Is everybody okay? Please understand something. Fighting battles in the spiritual realm, as I said just a moment ago, will lead to winning battles in the personal and physical realm because they are some of the hardest battles you will ever face in this life. And because they are some of the hardest battles you will ever face in this life, learning to have spiritual courage and stand for what's right spiritually and do what's right spiritually will give you courage in other areas of life. I have to move on. I can't move on. Lord won't allow me to. I won't spend too much longer, though, I don't think. Because some don't understand the resistance they face in the spiritual realm, we give up on battles in the spiritual realm before we give up on battles in the physical realm. Does Satan care if you shop at Walmart? No, he doesn't care. But does he care if you go to church? Yes, he does. So... Satan may not fight you if you're on your way to Walmart. He might just to discourage you and try to get your spirit. But for the most part, when you try to go to church, he's going to do everything in his power to try to stop you. Flat tires, 
the washer and dryer going bad, the, the furnace going out, you know, the basement flooded, uh, whatever it is. It's, it's funny. I mean, he doesn't care if you go to McDonald's. Well, let's all go to McDonald's. All right, off you go. But the moment somebody starts trying to dedicate their life to the Lord, they start facing battles they've never faced before, and they start dropping out of church, and they stop being faithful to giving, and they stop being faithful to their Bibles, they stop being faithful to prayer, or whatever it is that Satan's trying to stop you from doing, because he is going to give you more resistance in the spiritual realm than you you'll ever face in the physical realm. So if you will learn how to have some stick to is that a word? They used to say that in the, other, in the previous generation. My dad used to say, you need to have some stick to I don't know if you should look it up in the dictionary if it'll exist, but if you learn to have some stick to in the spiritual realm, it will give you courage in the things that you need in other areas of life because it's one of the far hardest battles that you will ever face. I want to say this lastly, very quickly, very quickly. Look, if you would please, at... Um, where do I want to go? Turn over to Joshua chapter 14. We've been talking about Joshua's life, but we mentioned Caleb earlier. Let's look at verse number, let's just go to verse number 10. I was thinking about going back to verse number 6, but let's start in verse number 10. Joshua chapter 14 and verse number 10. The Bible says, and now, behold. You know, the Lord just reminded me of something. Some of you middle-aged Christians have stopped fighting some battles that are leaving a bad example for these young people. You've relaxed and you've stopped fighting and these kids are watching you. And you think, well, it doesn't matter because I've got... I've got my life settled, so I can do these little things that are against the Word of God because I'll be okay. All right, maybe you'll get through it okay. That's fine. But you're stealing the courage of another generation of young people that need to stand right. And some of you used to be concerned about doing right, but you've backed off of it because you think, I'm at that stage of life, it doesn't really matter all that much anymore. And you've stopped fighting, and some of the generation coming behind you is watching you, and they're being influenced by your actions. Verse number 10 of Joshua chapter 14. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. Caleb's eighty-five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. For war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore, he says, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance. Now, there have been a lot of debates about whether or not Caleb's 
uh, strength was truly as great at 85 years old as it was when they began that journey uh, before the wilderness journey. I have to believe the Word of God. If, if he says that he still had that strength, then I have to believe that God had still given him that miraculous strength. But either way, that's not necessarily the point. I just think it's great. At 85 years old, Caleb says, I'm as strong today as I was 40 years ago when this whole thing started. He must have been. I, I'll trust the Word of God on that. Either that or he was one of these old guys just, you know, still feeling it, you know. But either way, here's what I want our attention to be drawn to. Courage grows when we have a purpose. Courage isn't required until we have a hill to take. And I want to say this this morning. As we lose our courage in the Christian realm, one of the reasons why I believe it's happening is because we are no longer finding a hill to take. We have become content with sitting in our places, growing in knowledge, and simply living our monotonous lives. And the reality is that the greatest things that were done by the greatest generations were done by people who dreamed and decided this is something we're going to strive for that is bigger than us, and they found a hill and they took it. Amen. People need something to conquer in life if they're going to have courage. We have become people living out of habit instead of out of purpose. Now listen, please. Dream and set some goals for your family and work to take those hills while the rest of the world is giving up on their families unless they become successful and make a lot of money. That's all they care about. While the rest of the world doesn't really seem to care anymore if their kids become LGBTQIASZT+. The Christian ought to be seeking a different hill to take. Amen. While we lose a generation because the world has decided that they're going to take the hill in our kids' minds and in our kids' hearts and that they are going to conquer them, we've let them do it without a fight in many cases. But that, that was just a rabbit trail. I got off track here. I keep getting on that. I'm burdened about it, but I need to get back, to, back on track here. Dream and set goals for your family and work to take those hills. It is okay to dream about your kids growing up in church and living a righteous and clean life and then setting some standards and some guidelines and some rules in your home to that purpose. Dream and set goals in your spiritual life and fight to take those hills. To walk closer with God than you've ever walked with Him before. To read and memorize more Scripture maybe than you've ever memorized before. How about this? How about for the first time in your life witnessing to somebody when you've never witnessed to somebody before? That will take courage. But if you're going to increase your courage, you need some new hills to take. Find some hills to take in your work journey. I'm serious. 
Stretch yourself a little bit. Don't be set in your ways and, well, this is as far as I'm ever going to get. You know what? Set some goals for yourself in your work situation and try your best to achieve the absolute highest position you can. Find some hills to take and take them. We get stuck in the rat race of life when we have no hills to take. And it requires no courage to continue on a path of comfortability. If you want to increase courage, find a hill and take it. Take risks. Be willing to fail at something worth failing at. The most courageous people are the ones pushing themselves out of their comfort zones and into new areas of life. Find a hill and take it. Go soul winning and witness to a soul for the first time. Determine a spiritual direction in your life that will take courage and do it. Determine that you'll stand for right. Seek the salvation of a loved one that you never thought you'd be able to witness to. Uh, do something spiritually that requires you to step out of your comfort zone and get some courage. Amen. On a more practical sense, you've been talking about for years, I'm going to learn that instrument, and you've never done it. Find a new hill and take it. Well, I'm, you know... 60 years old now, what good would it do? If you've always wanted to learn the piano, start. Sure. Start it. Find a new hill and take it. Well, it's kind of, you know, but that would be nerve-wracking to go sit with that teacher and she's probably going to be younger than I am. He'll be younger than I am. That's embarrassing. All right, it's going to take some courage. But if you want to start working on gaining courage, you've got to find some new hills and learn to take them. Take a, take a difficult job at work that nobody else is willing to tackle, even if it means failure. My grandfather used to say all the time, my grandpa Lovins, my grandpa Lovins would say all the time, when it gets too tough for everybody else, it's just right for me. He had a spirit to find a hill and take it. He didn't have any greater than I think a 6th or an 8th grade, grade education. The crazy guy, he was always looking for something new to try to achieve. And by the end of his life, owned a car lot, multiple apartment complexes, and he didn't even have an education. He was always living with a new goal, something to push him. And until the day he died, they were, you know, his mind went down quickly, uh, went downhill quickly. Uh, my grandmother got Alzheimer's and was in the, in the nursing home for years. My grandfather was always staying determined. He was always doing something. Actually, the thing that got him in trouble uh, when his health really started failing, he was out there, I don't know, whatever he was. Honey, how old was he when he was out there mowing his own lawn on a zero turn and fell getting off of it and broke his hip? Eighty-something years old. And that was kind of the, the, the beginning of the downward slide. But even as he, even as he was you know, 80-something years old, he wouldn't let anybody mow his lawn. He was going to go out and mow it himself. It kept him vibrant. It kept him going. But even as he, as he settled into that nursing home, we'd go visit him, and he thought he owned the nursing home. <laughs> He's firing people all the time. He, he'd fire them, you know. And, and he didn't like something they did. He'd say, you're fired. Go get me that other person, you know. And he'd, he'd tell people. He'd tell people. He'd, he'd say, you know, I'm, uh, I own this nursing home over here, and this lady over here, she's not doing a real good job. I'm thinking about letting her go. And we'd just laugh, you know. We'd just laugh. I mean, even, even while he was losing his mind, he was still dreaming, you know. He still thought he was owning things and running things. 
You've been thinking about making an investment and you've been afraid to do it. You know what? You never know until you try. I'm serious. We're losing our courage for anything in life. And Christians have become a very defeated people. You need something bigger to live for. Find a hill and take it. And if you fail, you fail. You know how often Thomas Edison failed when he was trying to invent things. You ever read his life story? It's crazy. Wasn't he the one that that coined the phrase that um, invention is something like 90% perspiration, 10% uh, inspiration or something like that? And he was constantly failing. You know how many times he tried to invent the light bulb before he finally got it? The most successful people in life are not the ones that never take risks. They're the ones that find a hill and decide to take it. And they take those risks and they do it even to failure if necessary. And you learn and you grow and you try again. Find a hill and take it. That's where courage begins again. America never would have been settled without people who found a hill they were willing to scale and take risks to accomplish it. We were at at this uh, uh, black powder uh, rendezvous yesterday, and, and, and a lot of people were talking about the frontier days. It was kind of a, a reenactment of the frontier days. And you think about those frontier days. Boy, Brother Matt Stallman sat there and, 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 and uh, talked about some of the books that he has read about the frontier days. And there were pioneers that decided to go west and try to settle a new land who didn't make it. The ones we hear about for the most part are the ones who did. But they all had to find a new hill in their life and said, I'm going to do everything in my power to try to take that hill. Some succeeded, some failed, but we wouldn't be here as a nation if somebody didn't find some courage. Wars wouldn't have been won without a man who at times, when his men were pinned down, said, if it means my life, I'm going to get to the top of that hill. The stories of men who took a rifle and charged a line of enemy soldiers that had his men pinned down as he took fire and took bullets and got wounded and continued to fight and still won the battle. Those are the ones that many times we say, man, they had the greatest courage, but the reality is they didn't have any more courage than you and I. They just knew that there was something greater than them and they had a greater purpose in life and they saw something bigger that was worth living for and they went for it. General George Patton said, courage is fear holding on one minute longer. One of the greatest generals in the history of our nation also had fear. But he learned how to put it aside for something that was bigger. At the end of Caleb's life, he still had a hill he wanted to take and he had great courage to take it. If we want to increase our courage, we have to live for something bigger than we have ever lived for before and find a new hill. Is everybody okay? Courage. Courage. Christian, I am pleading with you. Live with courage. Dear Heavenly Father, I beg you please that you would help us with these truths. 
Holy Spirit, please do what only you can do. With heads bowed and eyes closed,